This Lcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he's feeling a little electrified. Welcome, Jacob. Yeah, good. Ow. Okay, that hurt again. Like, Dila, what did you do this time? <laughs> she can't talk at the moment because the sound is still playing. But oh, okay, gotcha. I'm sure she'll have something to say here in a couple minutes. Yeah, but no. Gosh, that hurt. It was like, be like, I, I, I'd be like, I drank that potion the last time, and be like, I turned to a dog, and now I'm getting electrocuted. What's the deal? What did you say to her? I don't know. I didn't do anything. I mean, you can't even understand her in the first place. That's no. what's weird. Maybe I said something that it offended her. If I did, I apologize. But why am I getting mistreated all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Okay. <laughs> why? Thank you. Let me do our co-host, a man who oh man just what's his best bud back and now he's gonna use electricity to bring him back to life welcome drew see how that works don't do that again just make sure you're awake that's all how are you doing jacob minus the sting in my neck now i'm good very good I'm actually doing fantastic. It's been a great week. Um, looking forward to the weekend. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the weekend and the week after because I will have some time off. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. Talk more about that when I get back. Yes. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, before we get too much farther into this, Jacob, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What have you been watching? Why, thank you, Dilet. That's not what well, you usually say coming out of that. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I was thinking the other segment. I'm sorry. Because I can't hear it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, so technically for you guys, your listeners, we like we're having audio issues. So Drew is let, let me retag it and that way you can come back. Yeah. Recut. Thanks, patrons. <laughs> What have you been watching? All right. So what have I been watching? Uh, I I was, I just finished watching Frank and Winnie for this review. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I'm on uh, Disney plus watching the movie. And I was like, Hey, give me a recommendations. Like, you know what? Like, I've never seen this movie before. Why not watch it? It's called treasure planet. <laughs> I've never seen the film before. And all they like uh, one of our listeners, Heather, thank you so much mm-hmm. for everything you do. Uh, she always like tags me in Facebook posts for uh, news coming out. So thank you again, Heather. And apparently treasure panel is one of her favorite uh, Disney films. Uh, I'd never seen it. Uh, obviously it's based after um, treasure, Island. treasure Island. Um, so I watched it. it was good. It was a fun little film. Um, but like if you ever watch, you know, treasure Island be like, you understand the, the very large synopsis of this movie, mm-hmm. but it's done very well and be like, it's, it's one of those, uh, early 2000 films that kind of just got um, it's right there where the renaissance was ending mm-hmm. but before the dark ages really got started yeah 
or the the dark the short dark age that was yeah. the mid 2000s yeah agree there's some good movies in that in that right. dark age it's just there's a lot of bad ones too yeah a, gr- a lot not, of bad not ones. necessarily bad just weak yeah very weak films um unlike the 80s you know that error but but anyways most yeah. of those are just underrated i agree they are just <laughs> underrated oh my gosh we've reviewed some of them we reviewed a lot of them already i think if you actually if i, if I were to go back and look i think there's only three left mm-hmm. one of them is uh rescuers down under mm-hmm. That's definitely from, doing mm-hmm. that soon definitely 90s good movie uh yeah it's like right there at the end of that section mm-hmm. uh and then you've also we also still got i think fox and the hound is somewhere around there yeah and there's another one that's there, and I can't think of what it is right mm. off the top of my head. But we we can talk about that later. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it there, later. There's a there's another one, and I can't think of what it is because we've done a couple of these. And some of our listeners are probably screaming, "This movie, you knuckleheads!" Oh, probably, probably, probably. probably. But uh, I watched that. It's a really good movie. Uh, there again, it's it's slightly underrated as mm-hmm. a film. It's really well done, and uh, it it sticks close to the source material, but gives his own nice little twist and turn to it as a storyline. Right. But, uh, other than that, it's a lot of, uh, Oh yeah, we did. I did watch, uh, for, I think, uh, the monster Riley and film vault, uh, where me and drew, uh, mm-hmm. uh, guest hosted. We just got back the other day. Yeah, we did. Boy, was that frog bumpy? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, we reviewed mighty Morphin power Rangers, the movie from 1995. Five uh that is a nostalgia trip trip beyond definitely belief. a nostalgia trip and i'll get to make that trip one more time mm-hmm. when i get back from v- my my vacation nice for a retro rewind podcast oh yeah. that's gonna be interesting. and nathan's gonna nate's from monster on film vault's gonna be on that episode too oh my gosh <laughs> we're gonna be power rangered out by the end of this month especially specifically with this movie yeah and also he does the power trip was also a, yeah. another podcast he does they're coming up on like the lat the they're in, they just started the neo saban era oh gosh you know the two bad seasons really bad <laughs> what what i've seen or what i've heard they just released Ooh. their their uh, super mega force episode mm-hmm. i haven't listened to it yet but they say it's their longest episode really and the previous longest episode was four hours jeez and they a- and when they go four hours they are not gushing wow they are ripping it to shreds so i can only imagine what they're ripping this one to shreds is because those, those two seasons are pretty bad yeah agreed which is sad when you consider the actual sentai seasons they're based on but <laughs> we're not here for talk about that true so yeah so i think that's most of what i watched i'd be like obviously watching youtube i think there's a youtube channel like youtube, YouTube. oh youtube not not youtube I, that's why i was confused <laughs> Yes, me too. I'm trying to catch what? a very powerful Pokemon. You, you're not a fan of Pokemon. No. Why would you be looking at Pokemon? I don't know. <laughs> Throw me off. <laughs> no, YouTube, YouTube channel called the Casual Criminals. It's a, also a podcast where it's uh, the host Simon Whistler, who is known for biographies with another channel he does, where he, he just, does a lot of stuff. He does a lot of stuff. And uh, he's got like, I think it's like nine shows. No, it's a 12 sh- or mm-hmm. no, uh, I counted it. It's like um like 12 like 12 like 12 shows he does it's nuts but um oh my gosh 
uh, he'd be like, I was just personally one with uh, Ed Kemper. Be like, because I'm a, I love uh, uh, true crime, and oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's freaking scary what that guy did. Uh, wouldn't recommend if you were very squeamish. <laughs> Let's just right. say that. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy true crime and listening to him, you know, talk about true crime, and it's it's a cold read, so it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, and it's slightly frightening in some cases, but overall, I really enjoy watching. Uh, uh, the casual criminals and a lot of his other shows because it's very educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, that's all I've been watching. Uh, yeah, trying to get in, trying to draw more and a whole bit. So, yeah, take it away, Drew. What have you been well, watching? Well, outside of also watching uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, yeah, uh, and of course, Frank and Weenie, and these two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Also, watch the most recent episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, mm-hmm. and it was a good episode. We actually ha- it was a nice throwback to uh, Deep Space Nine. Really? Yeah. You don't have to know anything about Deep Space Nine, but I guarantee you when we get to that episode in a couple weeks, mm. I'll tell you all you really need to know to get that episode. But I got gotcha. you. It's a, it's they just happen to be visiting when you get right down to it. Oh, okay. There is some stuff that involves two. That's the nice thing about the current seasons. They actually have a lot of uh, characters from the other shows reprising their roles. As oh, guests, yeah. I heard about that. Guest stars. And uh, some of them get into the same kind of shenanigans they got on in their shows. I'll just say. Okay. But uh, also besides that, I watched a new movie that came out on Disney Plus last weekend. What would that be? Hocus Pocus 2. Really? I did sit down to watch that as I was cooling down from, you know, the day at work before I had we had to start I had to start getting ready for our trip to uh film uh the, the Monster and Film Vault. And uh man, that is a movie. <laughs> That's a movie. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. It's just the good thing the things i liked about how the first movie handled uh the occult and witchcraft Mm -hmm. and all that they kind of just threw away in this one to be modern oh okay all i'm really gonna say um but other than that it was kind of a fun movie uh the uh the fact that you've got there's you know how in the first movie uh Two of the witches are on brooms, but the other one is on like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Well, in this one, one of them's on the good broom. Mm-hmm. One is on a Swiffer wet jet. Oh, yeah. I've seen the clip of this. And the third one is standing on top of two Roombas. <laughs> and the Roombas have minds of their own. Oh, my gosh. And come up a lot. In fact, they're one of the reasons the uh, witches were able to actually get out and do their thing at one point. Because at one point, they're uh, trapped in a circle of salt. Oh, God. You know, from the first movie. Yeah. And the Roombas come up and vacuum all the salt toys so they're able to get out. My, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I don't think Roombas are that. I mean, they, they're, they're they're pretty strong things, yeah. but as high as you uh, dumped that salt on there, I don't think they could. I don't think they could vacuum that up that fast. No. But. Anyway, it was a, it's it's not a great movie. It's your standard kind of '90s nostalgia yeah. trip, but for what it was, it was okay. I got you. Uh, 
also on Saturday morning after we got back from the Monster on Film yeah. Vault, I got to re-engage with something from this spring that uh, I highly enjoyed. Mm. Spy Family Saturday. Oh, okay. First episode of part two. In other words, episode 13 mm. of season one uh, c- came out. And uh, we review a lot of stuff with dogs. On yep, it. We do. And I like a lot of the dogs that we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. The dog on this show has them all beat. Oh, really? Even Scooby. Oh, okay. Because Scooby runs from danger. Yeah. Bond, on the other hand, saves you. Yeah, his name is Bond. Actually, <laughs> actually, in the show, they have not named the character yet, but i seen the manga. It's Bond. <laughs> named after the Obviously. main character of her show that she enjoys watching, Spy Wars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they are the logo deep. is very Star Wars-esque, too. I oh, like wow. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. That's a wow. show we are definitely going to have to do a TAS on eventually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Bond is not just a good boy. He's best boy. Okay. We, be like, we are I chassis. <laughs> yes. Well, I put it this way. Most dogs that are act like dogs mm-hmm. in shows, they even when they're being shown in, as intelligent breeds and mm-hmm. they do things that, you know, that can tell, they act like intelligent dogs. Yeah. They're not as intelligent as Bond. Oh, okay. Bond actually feels like a full fleshed out character. Most of the time, you know, dogs really don't feel like fleshed out characters. Yeah, unless they're sidekicks. Unless they're sidekicks. And yeah, technically Bond is a sidekick on the show, but even with only having one uh, word to say as his entire vocabulary, Borf, because he's a big, big Pyrenees. Oh, Borf. borf. Well, it's, it's actually in the subtitles it says Borf. Oh, Borf. <laughs> borf. Borf, borf. Uh, when he barks there's a part in there where because like the way this show works mm-hmm. he has slight precognition oh he no can slightly see the future oh gosh and of course, really? anya can read his mind <laughs> so there's one point where all you hear bond say is borf and i says telephone what telephone <laughs> three seconds later the telephone rings <laughs> and while the camera is focusing on the other people in that room looking at the telephone you can uh you if you're looking where anya and bond are bond is pulling her away by her shirt sleeve <laughs> off screen and then it, they go where'd she go where where'd the little girl go and they're and you go and anya is holding on for dear life <laughs> on the back of this dog and they're ru- as they're running away, of course, Bond, bless his heart, is, is just a dog. He kind of goes in circles, which is unfortunate. But at one point, when Anya starts getting, you know, understanding what's going on to some degree, she goes and starts mount. She, she pulls herself onto Bond like a person. Uh, a personal mount? A horse. <laughs> yeah. And is riding this thing like a, a, a hunter going after a fox. <laughs> My gosh. It is. It was one of those. And the thing is, you think this is stupid, yeah. Especially from what I'm describing. But the, that's not how the writing in this show works. You're. It's. It makes sense, and it's very well written. Okay. I'm having to explain too much as part of the problem. But yeah, if you have not watched any of Spy Family, and you have Crunchyroll, 
go watch Spy Family. It's a great show. The the subtitled version is on Hulu, but the dub I don't think has been released off Crunchyroll yet. Okay. But yeah, great show. Love that show. Uh, and that's pretty much all the TV I've been watching. Okay. I have been watching uh, a YouTube channel where this guy is playing uh, Mario Maker 2. Super mm. Mario Maker 2. That's the full name of the game. But that's not as interesting. <laughs> Mostly, it's just something to have on while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Oh, but there is something else I've been watching. Uh, you know, I, I've talked. We talked about during Bad Movie Month. Yeah. How some of those movies I got from watching Nostalgia Critic. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been watching back through some of his stuff recently, yeah. and he had start back when the pandemic started. He did a couple of reaction episode uh, uh, videos to a bunch of dark tunes. Things that are for kids. They are very much for kids, but Mm. some of them are extremely dark. Mm. Like, uh, you know, uh, seeing Mickey Mouse getting tortured. Oh, okay. Pluto going to hell. Oh, yeah, those. Uh, Tom and Jerry, uh, Tom going to heaven and having to uh, get Jerry to forgive him for all for for tom bullying him mm-hmm. <laughs> things of that nature wow <laughs> and they've done some some newer stuff too like they've done a couple of the spongebob episodes that have been fairly dark because mm. that show actually can get dark mm-hmm. from time to time yeah uh and a couple other things so it's it's not just the old stuff but still watching some of that old stuff it's like wow the the, the even if there is no real story to this the uh animation is pretty yep. a lot of times I especially gotcha. with the really old stuff where the animation was the reason you were watching mm-hmm. you know like the old uh, uh pfft, like the old betty boop cartoons yeah things of that nature gotcha but yeah i've been watching some of that and i think that's about it i don't All think right. there's been anything else so uh why don't we go ahead and head into the new the cell cast news with your host jacob heron Why, thank you, Dealit. I think me and Dealit are going to have to talk after this, after all this electrical shock thing. <laughs> I don't know why you're mad, Dealit. He's trying, he's asking for forgiveness. Exactly. That's all. She said she'd think about it. I think about it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I still don't know what you said. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out, too. But, Dealit, what did he say that got you so riled at him? Exactly. That's for you to know and him to find out. Oh, thank you. That helps a whole lot. Ow. Okay. This is going to be a fun. Yeah. Let's get in the news, shall we? Yeah, let's just do that. All right. So, um, so apparently our boy, uh, I'm going to butcher his name to death, but he's an amazing director. Uh, Mikoto Shinkai. Mikoto Shinkai. Yeah. Mikoto Shinkai. He's got another movie coming. I know. Yeah. Uh, we need to do some more of his stuff too. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Uh what I discovered. Uh so comic or comics, waves wave films, mm-hmm. story and toho have released the new trailer for of uh, your name 
And whether we're with you, Makoto Shinkai. Yeah, close enough. Uh, his new, his new, his latest film, uh, Suzumi. Uh, this just released the preview, um, uh, which announced the the Japanese voice actors. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't know when it's coming out, but there again, we reviewed both these movies, and we're and, definitely looking at covering yes. his older stuff. Mm. This is one of those few things. It's like, oh, Makoto Shinkai's got a new movie coming out. Mm. I don't need to see a trailer. Let's go watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give, give I'll, me, watch, I'll see a trailer. I'll watch it because I am curious mm-hmm. what we're what we're going to be looking at. But in, in order to sell me on going to a theater to watch it, that's not necessary. <laughs> True. I watched some of the trailer. It looks really good because there again, this guy's amazing artist. Mm-hmm. His visual storytelling is incredible. So yeah if this obviously hopefully comes out it's they dub it and uh whoever sure they will whoever's gonna whoever's gonna distribute it here in these uh, probably g kids will g kids did uh weathering with you technically mm. funimation now Crunchyroll mm-hmm. uh did your name oh okay but it was all dubbed in uh new york oh, okay new york a new york av did all the dubbing for both of those oh, okay so yeah weird but anyway so yeah that movie's coming out uh i'm about to give you a more date later but yeah it looks good because there again it's his work and he's always very good and so yeah we'll definitely do a reaction to it at some point we'll let you know indeed all right so uh we got a new trailer for uh stranger things but uh stranger world from disney Mm -hmm. from the walt disney company uh, that looks really good. Uh, that will, movie will be coming out on November twenty third of twenty of uh, this year, I believe. Uh, right. So yeah, we will definitely because if you've seen the 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 trailers to this movie or the posters to it, it mm-hmm. looks amazing. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely look forward to it and see what else movies what see what this movie's really about. Um, that. I was gonna say that was gonna be the end of the news, but it's not. No, there is one there, more. There thing. is one thing that I, I know that Drew is excited about. I am as well. Well, and basically, we record this on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and Nintendo announced today mm-hmm. that on Thursday they're doing a special Nintendo Direct mm-hmm. for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Because of weird timing. It's going to be two weeks until we actually would get to talk about it under the show under normal yeah. circumstances. Right. So instead, we're going to cut away here to us in the future, and we're going to give you our thoughts right quick. All right. Thanks, Drew, from the past. Uh we just got done watching the direct for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Jacob, what did you think of this? Man, that was freaking amazing. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, with the hype, we've, we have we learned about the cast, I think, early on last year. Yes. About, uh, about a year ago. It was like mid-September yeah. last year. Yeah. So, obviously, we just watched the Nintendo Direct for the, for the first movie trailer. And, dude, this thing is freaking epic. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be good. It, it it sets up so much of like you said the uh, the mushroom kingdom like uh, the oh I, I am terrible with names the the man who created Mario Shigeru Miyamoto yeah Shikiro just say Miyamoto Miyamoto okay Miyamoto <laughs> that's easier uh, <laughs> um but it's just like I, I I enjoy where they where it's be like Bowser shows up on this this 
ice world or ice planet, what have you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this, ep- it's like epic music and Bowser's in- introduction. And you think it's like, oh, okay, we're going to get more like uh, Poe from um, uh, Pan- uh, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. That kind of Bowser, that kind of, you know, I Jack was expecting Black more of that kind of Bowser. But no, we got like, honestly, this, A, it actually sounds better than the one other time Nintendo in an official property had a Bowser voiced. Yeah. Outside of just, you know, growls and such. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he is does have a voice in uh, the game Super Mario Sunshine. Really? And it's not that good a voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but this this voice was very impressive. It yeah. was very impressive. Jack Black did a very good job. Oh, yeah. And uh, even before they, uh, you know, officially just uh, talked about or, uh, like, Show the for show the first trailer. It was literally Jack Black and Chris Pratt talking about mm-hmm. the, they're so excited about being here, and yeah. I was like, it's, it's great when you see the the voice actors having fun with the mm-hmm. performance because if be like there again, if you I think we talked about it a few minutes ago, where on the original live action movie they were kind of intoxicated, they were drunk. Yeah, uh, John, uh, John Leguizamo and uh, Bob. Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. There we go. Uh, yeah. John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins, who played the original Mario Brothers. Uh, that, the production on that was so bad, they did literally get drunk. Wow. And I'm sure Nintendo would prefer we forget that movie existed. Right, right, right. But uh, what I'm seeing in this, uh, they both look like they had, they're had they having fun right. doing this. It doesn't feel like they were trying to be quiet and not talking about the things that Nintendo wouldn't want them to talk about. Right. If some drama happened you know, on set. Yes. This actually looks like maybe they had some good times with so maybe, just maybe this is going to be a good fun yeah. time. Yeah, it's I mean like it's like how like how they were saying but like how the world building and the whole mm-hmm. bit because be like for me be like I've played a little bit of Mario. Yeah. And uh this is on interesting because they're bring in Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh the other rest of the cast they, they weren't in this trailer, but you've mm. got Donkey, you've got think they said diddy was in this yeah uh and you've got some like they even had a uh, on that cast list from a year ago they even talked about having uh someone's voicing foreman spike which is yeah a deep cut yeah considering that's a character from an nes game called wrecking crew that is only yeah. only reason it's connected to mario is because they use the mario sprite for the player character oh okay so because this was at a time when they just used everything i got you uh or mario for everything so yeah um, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I kind of wish I, I I got they what they were saying. They I, actually they gave us uh, a little bit of uh what do you call it? an update as to where they are. Yeah, and that they're finishing up lighting. Yeah, and then in a few weeks the composer who they listed the name and I didn't catch. Oh, um, is doing is going to be starting to record the music, and he worked with Koji Kondo, the original game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a composer so yeah. they are to actually work in a lot of the old themes so yeah. i'm fully expecting to hear a bunch of the classics nice in full orchestra form which will be awesome yeah agreed agreed be like it's it's gonna be interesting next year when this movie comes out mm-hmm. um they're gonna if any if like the movie's complete looks like it they're yeah almost, they're completing animation right now and all they gotta do is lighting and compositing but this sounds like a fun movie, and oh, yes. when this comes out next year, we will definitely have to. Uh, this will jump. definitely get to be a reaction next yes. year, I think. Agreed, and uh, definitely with how how big of a Nintendo fan you are, <laughs> just slightly, just slightly. 
those of you watching on the video will probably know all the Nintendo, the Mario-specific things that are staring at the television screen yes. with us. Yes. But, uh, yeah, uh, this is looking like it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, honestly, while I'm glad they are polishing it and they're not like trying to rush it out the door, mm-hmm. I wish this movie would come out sooner than it looks like it's coming. Agreed. So, yeah, uh, I think that's going to be it, unless you've got anything else to add. No, be like, man, I'm, I'm excited. So, podcast listeners, uh, we'll now return you to listening to, I think we're about to start the uh, spoiler-free section yes. of our review of Frank and Weenie. Uh-huh. So, join us there, and uh, we'll see you all next time. All right. Jeez, man, come on. <laughs> I don't know what I did to deal it, but man, this is getting weird. Deal it, quit messing with the portal. Thank you. <laughs> Hush. Whatever she said. You don't want to know. Okay. All right, fine. If, if it's Vengeance Wolf best served cold. It's I get... very cold in the portal. Apparently. <laughs> she's already turned me into a dog twice. Okay. Yeah, I still don't know how that worked. Yeah, me either. Me either. But anyways, uh, so yeah, that movie will that movie coming out next year. And uh, there again, I haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen the trailer yet. But my future self has. So we will tell you later how we thought of this film. Indeed. All right. So that is all I have for an info and stuff. Or the news. The news. We're the not news. quite wrong segment. Stuff yet. So why don't we go ahead and jump into the spoiler-free section of our review of Frankenweenie. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. This is actually my second viewing of the film. Really? I saw it uh, about two years ago. Hmm. Uh, back when we were doing that uh, uh, 100 movies. In, uh, oh, new, yeah, yeah. New views in a year. Mm-hmm. The one year I did that. And... Uh, I watched it during that time, and I thought it was a fun little movie. And yeah. it was Tim Burton. And I have a Tim Burton is hit or miss for me. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not good. Right? Can't really explain why. It's just he's not usually my bag. I got you. But uh, I thought for what this was, it was actually done pretty well. Um, it is definitely you can w- watch it with kids, though. Be aware there is a lot of scary imagery because this is technically a horror film. Yeah, it is. But uh yeah, I enjoyed it. Good. What are your thoughts? Uh this is my first viewing of this film. Uh I watched the original short from 1987, which is live action, uh, a couple of years ago, and I thought that was very good. And then I watched this, I'm like, this is definitely Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Definitely Tim Burton. Uh, it's definitely the same style. It'd be like, it's obviously it's stop motion instead of live action. It's in black and white and oh man, this movie is so good. It's so good. It's definitely got the, the Tim Burton nightmare fuel definitely towards the end of the film. Oh my gosh. Um, but very done, very like done incredibly well. You have, uh, nightmare before nightmare before Christmas vibes going Mm -hmm. on this movie beyond belief but it's just one of these films that is i don't know if it's i mean like it didn't do well in theaters far as i understand 
and was I mean, like it, it is an enjoyable film that if you're a fan of stop motion or animation in general, you're going to enjoy this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into this film and giving it a proper review. All right. So why don't we go ahead and hit the bumpers and we will do just that. This podcast is a proud member of culture box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the culture box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out the Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast using the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out The Untold Podcast at theuntoldpodcast.com to listen and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to The Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. following is a spoiler filled review for the movie Frankenweenie from 2012 listener discretion is advised <laughs> Frankenweenie was dir- written and directed by Tim Burton and I don't have to tell you what he's done because he's done a ton of things a lot of really good stuff and some really weird stuff oh yes but you probably know him from such things as Batman, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and uh, Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Perhaps also Beetlejuice, but we don't say that three times. No. Don't want that guy going around. Exactly. We all It's also written by John August. It is based on the short Frankenweenie that was directed by Tim Burton and written by Leonard Rips. And technically also based on the story Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Very true. Getting into the cast, we've got Catherine O'Hara playing Mrs. Frankenstein, Weird Girl, and Gym Teacher. And in The Addams Family from 2019, she played Grandma Frump. Martin Short plays Mr. Frankenstein, Mr. Burgemeister, Na- and Nassor. And in uh, he played the character of Need Na- Need Needlander in The Three Amigos. Martin Landau played Mr. Riskreski, you know, the science teacher. Yes. And in the Tim Burton classic documentary on Ed Wood, mm-hmm. he played Bella Lugosi. Real? Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. Mm-hmm. Charlie Tehan plays Victor Frankenstein. And uh, in, Go- in the TV show Gotham from 2015, he played Jonathan Crane and, uh, and Scarecrow. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Atticus Schaefer plays Edgar E. Gore, and he, he plays Brick on the middle. Okay. The weird kid on that show. Oh, okay. A show I never watched. You should. Hmm. Winona Ryder played Elsa Van Helsing, mm-hmm. and she played Joyce Byers in Stranger Things. Hmm. Robert Capron played Bob, 
and he was Rowley Jefferson in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Hmm. James Hiroyuki Liao played Toshiaki, and he was Kenji in Ghost of Tsushima. Conchata Farrell played Bob's mom, and she played the character of Helen in Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. Last but not least, we got Frank Welker playing Sparky. And uh, in the more recent Smurfs movies, yeah, he played Asriel, the cat. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. The the man who could is an amazing, amazing voice talent, but is primarily known for doing animal voices. Pretty much. And barks and meows. Getting into the Kingdom Hearts connections, staying with Frank Welker, along with playing Sparky in this movie, he also played Experiment 221, Sparky, in Kingdom Hearts, a original character for the game based off the Stitch uh aliens ah also we got christopher lee who was you in the uh in the footage of dracula that they were playing Mm -hmm. the the parents were watching and he played both the characters of ansem the wise and diz in Mm -hmm. kingdom hearts Mm -hmm. d bradley baker was the voice of persephone shelly were rat colossus mr whiskers and a driver a driver yeah in this, and he was Waka in Kingdom Hearts. Waka Waka. Jeff Bennett was the giant sea monkeys in this. And in Kingdom Hearts, he played Merlin, Beryl, Lumiere, Mer... I said I put Merlin twice in here for some reason. <laughs> Bashful, Mr. Shmee, Geppetto, Large Beagle Boy, and Small Beagle Boy in Kingdom Hearts. And last but not least, Tom Kenny. Hmm. You know, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. He voiced the new Holland Townsfolk in this film, and he's the voice of Rabbit in Kingdom Hearts 3. Huh. Interesting. Entirely different character from SpongeBob. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that brings me to the end of the cast list. What do we got in info and stuff? <clears throat> All right. So IMDb, it is 6.9 out of 10. Uh, is available to watch on Disney+. Plus. Production was Walt Disney Pictures and Tim Burton Production. Distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture. Originally released on September 20th, 2020 at the Fantastic, the uh, Fantastic Fest, uh, Fest, 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 Festival. I can't get the F out for some reason. Apparently. Yep. You know, as a kid, I I had a problem with uh, R's. I couldn't say Mm -hmm. my R's. So I'd say Wabbit all the time. So apparently okay, now, now I'm, you know, kind of re reverting into saying I can't say an F right. But uh, so in the United States uh, proper, it was released on October 5th, 2012. Uh, it had an estimated budget of thirty nine million dollars. Its opening weekend for the United States and Canada was eleven point five million dollars on October 7th. Hmm. Uh, it's U.S. gross for Canada and the United States as well was $35.2 million. Not good. Uh, it's worldwide gross was $81.4 million. Uh, yeah, that's not including uh, advertising and promotion. Yeah, yeah it did, did, not do, did not do well in the box office. All right, home release. The film was released by... Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment on DVD, Blu-ray, and Blu-ray 3D 
back when that was a thing in 2013 mm-hmm. the blue the blu-ray release included the original live action franken winnie short and a new two-minute animated short titled captain sparks sparky and the flying the flying saucers as bonus features uh that is all i have for an info and stuff in this film all right let's get into the summary then victor frankenstein a young scientist and amateur filmmaker lives with his parents and his beloved bull terrier dog sparky in the quiet town of new holland pennsylvania his intelligence is recognized by his classmates at school who include his somber next door neighbor elsa van helsing the mischievous edgar e gore the obese and gullible bob the overconfident toshiaki the creepy nasor and the eccentric girl nicknamed weird girl but he did not interact much with them due to his relationship with his dog concerned with his son's isolation victor's father encourages the boy to take up baseball when victor hits a home run at his first game sparky chases the ball and is struck and killed by a car leaving victor despondent inspired by his new science teacher mr reskrisky a demonstration of the effect of electricity on dead frogs victor digs up sparky brings the dog to a makeshift laboratory in his attic and successfully reanimates his old friend for the bolt of lightning while victor is at school the next day sparky escapes from the attic to chase weird girl's cat mr whiskers and subsequently explores the neighborhood he is recognized by edgar who blackmails victor into teaching him how to raise the dead together the two resurrect a dead goldfish which turns invisible due to an error with the experiment Edgar brags about the fish to his classmates, but when he tries to show it to a skeptical Nassor, it is gone, leading him to speculate that the revived creatures only last for a short time. Fearful of losing the upcoming science fair, Toshiaki and Bob make a rocket out of soda bottles, and Bob breaks his arm when they test it. Mr. Raskrisky is blamed for the accident and fired. The gym teacher replaces him, but before Mr. Raskrisky leaves town, he is able to talk with Victor and advise the boy to use science wisely. Edgar accidentally reveals to Toshiaki, Nassor, and Bob that he and Victor had brought the invisible fish back from the dead, and that Victor has done the same with Sparky, which inspires them to try reanimations themselves. Victor's parents discover Sparky in the attic and are frightened, causing the dog to flee. His father starts to talk to him about the seriousness of what he has done, but Victor tearfully tells them that he just wanted his dog back. So his parents decide to help him find Sparky and continue the conversation later. When the family leaves, Victor's classmates invade the lab and discover the reanimation instructions. They perform their experiments separately, but each of their dead animals is turned into a monster. Mr. Whiskers holds a dead bat while he is electrocuted, resulting in him becoming a grotesque vampiric feline. Or as I like to call him, Bat-Cat. The dead rat Edgar found in the garbage turns into a were-rat. Nassar's mummified hamster colossus comes back to life and toshiaki's turtle shelly is covered in miracle grow and becomes a huge gamera like monster and bob sea monkeys grow into gremlin like amphibious humanoids the monsters converge on the town fair and they as they where they wreak havoc after victor finds sparky at the town's pet cemetery bob and toshiaki find him and ask for his help in dealing with the monsters They go to the fair where the sea monkeys explode after eating salted popcorn. Colossus is stepped on by Shelly, and the were-rat and Shelly both return to their original deceased forms after getting electrocuted. During the chaos, Persephone, Elsa's pet poodle, is grabbed by Mr. Whiskers and carried to the town windmill where Elsa and Victor give in pursuit. 
The townsfolk blame Sparky for Elsa's disappearance and chase him to the windmill, which Elsa's uncle accidentally ignites with a torch. Victor and Sparky enter the burning windmill and rescue Elsa and Persephone, but Victor is trapped inside. Sparky rescues Victor, only to be dragged back inside by Mr. Whiskers, who is fatally impaling, impaled by a flaming piece of wood just before the windmill collapses, killing Sparky again. To reward him for his bravery, the townsfolk gather and revive Sparky with their car batteries. Persephone runs to Sparky, and they touch no noses, producing a spark. Getting into the trivia for this one. The Pet Cemetery features the grave of Zero from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Victor's friend and next-door neighbor, Elsa Van Helsing, is a reference to Abraham Van Helsing, mm -hmm. Bram Stoker Dracula's character, and Ella Lancaster, the original Bride of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. The actress, anyway. The hair on the head of Elsa Van Helsing's dog Persephone is copied from the hair of Elsa Lancaster's character in The Bride of Frankenstein right down to the white streaks. The turtle, Shelley is named for Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein mm -hmm. or the modern Prometheus, the 1818 novel on which this film is loosely based. His monster form, though, is based on... Camera! Camera! Camera is really neat. Camera is filled with meat. We've been eating camera. Shell, teeth, eyes, flames, claws, breath, scales, fun. This is Tim Burton's first film since Big Fish, 2003, not to feature Johnny Depp. Yeah. His first since Sleepy Hollow, not to feature Helena Bonham Carter. And his first since Mars Attacks, to feature neither of them. Wow. Yeah. The mayor of the town, uh, Mr. Burgermeister, uh, his name means mayor in German. Mm. His name and appearance is also an homage to... Burgermeister Meisterberger, the antagonist in the stop-motion film Santa Claus is Coming to Town from 1970. Huh. Interesting. The film's release spawned a fan theory that this film and Burton's other two stop-motion animated films, The Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride, are all taking place in a shared continuity and tell one big story spanning several centuries and the possibility that Victor Frankenstein and Sparky are descendants of Victor Van Dort and Scraps from Corpse Bride interesting indeed the demonstration that mr Ruskreski sh uh, shows in, cl in class of the frog's legs twitching when given electricity is based on actual experiments in 1771 by italian physicist luigi galvani mm -hmm. who was the first to discover that the legs of dead frogs and other dead creatures twitched and moved when sparked by electricity this led to the study of bioelectricity and further study of the nervous system and its functions the study of galvanic effects in biology is named after Galvani, who is seen as the discoverer of bioelectricity. Several of Tim Burton's movies have played with this theme, most notably Frankenweenie and Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. Nassor is strongly similar in appearance and speech to the original monster from Frankenstein, 1931, while his hamster is a mummy. Both <laughs> Frankenstein's monster and The Mummy from 1932 mm -hmm. were played by the actor Boris Karloff. Yes. Tim Burton stated in an interview for the CBBC show Blue Peter that if the studio had said they would not permit him to do the film in black and white, he would leave the project as he felt it reflected the classic horror movie style of the film. Indeed. Last but not least, 
Well, while Tim Burton based the town of New Holland on a similar town in which he grew up outside Burbank, California, Disney officially chose New Holland, Pennsylvania as the town where the film takes place. After the principal of New Holland Elementary School, also the name of the school in this film, contacted Burton and the film's producers about the fictional town's similarities to New Holland, Pennsylvania, Disney representatives brought movie segments and promotional materials to the school. Disney representatives also brought a parade float to New Holland's Fall Festival. New Holland, Pennsylvania is also known for its Pennsylvania Dutch background and holds a fall festival similar to the Dutch Day in the film. Hmm. Which brings us to the end of the trivia. Hmm. Jacob, what is your first like of this film? I think you stated in part of the, like, it is a, it is a classic throwback to the classic uh, horror films of the, of the, of the old days, Mm -hmm. you know, 1930s, 1940s. And uh, obviously it would also reminisce of the hammer films, which we do see. um, I'd also say the universal horror films also. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Just the classic horror film Mm -hmm. error. And it's done very well because Tim Burton, when you give him that kind of niche of horror and gothic, be like, he is just gold. And yeah. like ever like Batman, Batman, Batman Returns, be like all those Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas, this movie, Corpse Bride. It'd be like this man just knows kind of this this niche of uh animation movie style yeah. of uh production and it's done so well and i i love the the kind of like he's like said in the trivia of like be like homaging to these these other great films like heck at one point the mother and father are watching um dracula from the the old hammer films yeah with uh christopher lee christopher lee the legend christopher yeah. lee back when he still looked like a young man yeah <laughs> Before he turned into uh, an old man, yeah, an old man. Who back, played, back when he was still the uh, the character that James Bond was based off of. That's that's right. At least yeah. that's the story. The rumor. Uh, that's the story. Yeah. Or uh, before he became a uh, oh crap, what did he play in the Star Wars movies? Oh, uh, the unfortunately Count named Count, Count Dooku. Dooku. <laughs> George. I like Star Wars, but really, why did you name a character Dooku? It sounds too close to Dookie. <laughs> Only one person got away with naming their villain Dookie, and that was uh Crunt, what's his name? Uh Rockadoodle, the director of that and Oh uh, uh Don Bluth. Um, Don Bluth. Don Bluth's the only one getting away with naming their character Dookie. Of course that character's name was actually the Duke. But anyway. Yeah, but either or. But yeah, just I love the 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 classic horror vibe of this because if you were like a young kid like me and your parents, you know, like to watch those kind of films, mm-hmm. like it was a real treat watching this kind of the the uh, nostalgia feels kicked in and just like wow, I really want to go back and watch a like an old Hammer film, right? But yeah, it's my number one. Be like the the nostalgia, not really the nostalgia, but more the the homage and how tim burton is so masterfully well with this with this genre of horror and gothic it is it's so well done what is your number one i'm gonna keep uh, with yours because this was also one of mine okay in that i love how this feels like an old school monster movie yeah from the 30s and 40s specifically the uh the universal ones are the ones that came to my mind because i've not watched much of the hammer stuff 
this just feels like it could have been made right alongside that stuff. It has mm. that that feel. The 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 scientific equipment is admittedly here. It's very exaggerated. Yeah, but it has that same kind of uh, put together feel that the old lab equipment. Yeah, in Frankenstein feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and it just it was interesting watching essentially what was an old monster movie that was made in 2012 yeah which a hundred years nearly a hundred years after the original film those original films were made so yeah it was i I enjoyed that that was it was just a fun little adventure a little uh monster movie fest awesome basically what's your second like my second like would be definitely sparky himself i mean like Mm -hmm. he's a dog but how how they give life in other ways than electricity uh of how this dog is animated how he expresses himself how his loyalty to victor is and the the fact would be like he's brought back to life as as a uh, reanimated um i don't want to call him a zombie dog but he's he's not a zombie that's been the the question if technically frankenstein's monster was a zombie Mm -hmm. and most people say he wasn't because zombies are still rotting while the monster is not yeah rotting yeah and he actually does have a brain it's just not well developed unlike zombies who mostly don't have brains true that's why they're searching for them to eat mm-hmm. them nom 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 but uh yeah i don't know what you we just know him as frankenstein's monster at this point that's true but uh i, I do love there was one of the main reasons by the way i just want to say this go ahead. don't get to talk about stupid little things like this often Mm -hmm. but i still will call frankenstein's monster frankenstein because he was put together by a victor frankenstein Mm -hmm. he uh you could say that they are father and son and the son generally takes on the last name of the father so technically that is true he should still be called frankenstein in, in the book there's i think one point where frankenstein be like he does reject his uh his scientific but i think towards the end he he he, he does call him his son in a way he does but all i'm saying is it's still from you could still call the monster frankenstein without technically being wrong that is true uh i do i always like i I love the idea that a character is willing to sacrifice themselves in order to save their best friend Mm -hmm. and like it says in scripture to be like uh whoever will i would like lay down his life for a friend i know i'm butchering it to death but uh i i love those kind of moments uh it reminded me so much of one of my favorite dog movies bolts which came out in i think 2012 or it came around right around the same time i think it could have been 2014 but uh it's the same thing where sort of this dog is so incredible to its owner it's willing to sacrifice itself in order to protect its owner and uh, I, I love those kind of points where it's 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 a character who is willingly and uh, is willing to sacrifice just like Jesus did for us. And uh, I, I love that in char- that character that is willing to lay down its life for a friend. That was good. The scripture in question, I just looked it up for you. Thank you. Is a John 15, 13. Mm-hmm. And in the ESV, it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I, I I love those kind of uh, character arcs in the story. Definitely when it comes to it, like a dog or like, especially when it comes to another person mm-hmm. that you're willing to lay down your life, willing to lay down everything 
for you know, those you love. And uh, you don't see stories like that a whole lot nowadays. No. But it's 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 good to see something like that. And I definitely I'm looking forward to when we review uh, Disney's Vault because that's another movie that's done very well. Right. Kind of like this. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a sucker for these kind of stories and I love it. So, yeah. What is your second like? My second like for this is uh, I love all of the throwbacks to the short. I did watch the short after mm-hmm. I watched the movie because I was curious and there were a number of things that they did. It's like, oh, you literally, yeah, yeah, you could have said they copied it too much or copied the look too closely. But in some cases, it's like, oh, that was you actually did that brilliantly. Yeah, like uh, you, like a lot of the machinery uh, uses the same parts, like mm-hmm. the 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 reindeer Christmas decorations, mm-hmm. the three separate uh, the 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 regular kite, the bat kite. And the clear umbrella mm-hmm. for all use. Um, it, it really looked like they went and lovingly looked at what the film did, what that original short did, and made those in stop motion figures. Mm-hmm. But the one that really got me was the, uh, I think it's Bob's mom. She looks like she is based on a one specific actress mm. from the short that was the one that, uh, in the shorts, the one that Sparky scared initially. Oh yeah. Uh, so I thought, okay, that it's the one that when they're uh, revving revving their cars to give Sparky mm. a jump start. Yeah, says give it more power, and she oh, okay. says the same. And it's the same I gotcha. model that uses it here. I got gotcha. you. Uh, it I th- that's I mean, granted, we are looking at in some ways a remake of yeah. the short, mm-hmm. but expanded into two hours, which is hard enough as it is. Yeah. And they showed as much love and affection for the scenes that were copied, but not so much that it felt like you were watching the old short, if that makes sense. Yeah. Even Sparky's death, the way they handled that, you don't actually see him get hit. Mm-hmm. In both the view shifts to Sparky's point of view. Yeah. And you see him turn his head when the car honks and it comes right at you mm-hmm. the same way. It's two different cars. Yeah. Just because of time and stuff but uh i thought that and i thought that was like very well done and then of course you get all of the uh gravestones in the pet mm-hmm. cemetery uh so a lot of them are cop are copied uh, uh, the only one that really has a lot of difference is sparky's headstone itself because they did you can tell there's a change between both versions mm-hmm. but uh the fact that there's one that's literally the good uh, hello kitty face and it's called and its name was goodbye kitty <laughs> that made me laugh <laughs> it's like and, and it actually made me think as when i was as i watched the, the stop motion movie first i thought i wonder if they did that for this one or if uh that was in the original because yeah. in my mind hello kitty could not have made a splash over here until the 90s yeah so when I watched, I, I was I tried to look up when you know all that came over here, and I couldn't find any concrete information mm. when it was when the Hello Kitty stuff was being sold in the U.S. And I just started watching the uh, original short, mm-hmm. and I got to the scene there where, uh, uh, essentially the 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 shorts version of the weird girl mm-hmm. is uh, like talking on the phone, and you can see on her back wall a Hello Kitty poster. I go, well, I guess they knew about it. This wasn't just a coincidence, but that is funny yeah i mean it was 
I, I just love that attention to detail, mm. especially after last month. Oh, uh, gosh, yes. But it just was not so nice that, yeah, I know this is Tim Burton's baby for the most mm. part. Going back and revisiting and re- getting to recreate a short that uh, a movie based on a short he may not have felt he could have given his, his all to mm. at the time, especially as since Disney fired him after wasting Disney's money on the short as they saw it. Mm hmm. <laughs> right after that and then go and put it out on stuff but anyway uh i just i it, it, you could just see so much care in this film and i appreciate that so that's uh, my second like uh speaking of scenes that made me laugh that literally i i created a meme out of it mm-hmm. <laughs> for monday for monday meme uh <laughs> it was the 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 strange girl the weird girl her cat <laughs> that mr whiskers mr whiskers predicts the future through a poop <laughs> through his, through his would, species a i'm curious how he does that b i yeah. really don't want to know how he does that <laughs> oh my gosh but it was the, the c she'll never have to worry about mr whiskers doing that ever again oh my gosh <laughs> oh those poor animals yeah oh my gosh that, that kind of be like i wanted to tie that in with this one the uh the like Mr. Whiskers was like okay you predict people's future for your through your very distorted uh feces poop yeah. whatever all it means is all, all the all that that means is when the cat dreams of them yeah is that something big is about to happen yeah that really doesn't tell you anything no, that could it mean anything it's so vague yeah but like uh, most of fortune telling but anyway true. But it's I I find it so funny with this this idea that be like Victor in his in his desire to bring his own dog back mm-hmm. be like like I think it's the scientist says something or it's I can't remember who says it in the film where it's the they 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 it's it's they're trying to rationalize what's going on yeah because how Victor he his his love for his pet. That's why his dog came out the way he does mm-hmm. and everybody else's uh, creedy desire to create life and their desire to be famous or desire to win this right. is their intention behind it is and um, there is a lot of pseudoscience in this film. There, there but is it's a lot intentional of pseudo- pseudoscience. It is intentional pseudoscience. It's it's not supposed to be scientifically accurate. Right. But it's just this this notion that if you be like you be like it's and be like obviously you can't create life because the only one who can create life is god himself right it's just the the notion of be like the the intention of the heart because like you do something in an act of love or obedience or something like that and the result is going to be x you know abc mm-hmm. but if you do something out of like the the uh the the cruelness of your heart of, of a, like a sinful intention be like it's it's going to backfire on you probably 99 percent of the time yeah. it's going to <laughs> um and be like there's be like you could you could pull some really good parallels from this movie if you if you talk if you like deep dive it but mm-hmm. this is this is the idea that be like the the idea of the outpouring of your heart is like that'd be like it's the how the heart can be deceptive deceptive and uh can be deceiving Ugh. but I mean, like I, I, I really love those little themes in there, and I, I just, Mr. Whiskers, that just made me laugh. I mean, oh, I, I, I just Mr. went Whiskers. chuckled, and I was like, seriously, you're doing this? This is kind of funny. 
Uh, so yeah, that's my number. That's my third like. My third like for this film. I love all the monsters at the end. Of course you do. Oh yeah, because I mean, okay. So when Mister Whiskers is going through his metamorphosis, metamorphosis into Batcat, uh, that is like the creepiest. Oh, I, yeah. that's amazing animation in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That whole transformation. Mm-hmm. Granted, about halfway through, they kind of cheat and do the little spin, and all of a sudden, his white fur is now black fur, but. Mm-hmm it was just like oh man as that almost gave me chills mm-hmm. watching that oh yeah uh and at that point it's like and I mean, like the minute that happens you're you know what's happening with the rest mm-hmm. all of their all, all those other animals are going to turn out you know far worse monsters mm-hmm. than sparky was ever going to be so i mean you get the were rat, which is oh, not gosh. quite as mm-hmm. imaginative. He's essentially a werewolf, but he's a rat. Yes. Okay, cool. You get the evil sea monkeys, which is like, okay, that's funny. And uh poor Colossus. I did not know what oh, I was expecting gosh, from Colossus. That was so good. But that whole reveal where he's going, Rise from your grave, Colossus. To some degree, you're, you're expecting to some degree the way he's talking about this thing it's going to be some big bull mastiff humongous dog come out of mm. this giant mausoleum and it's a little bitty hamster <laughs> who doesn't do a cotton picking thing true but oh, of course my, you yeah. know my the, you you already know i've already made the jokes tonight on this yes my favorite one because the minute the very second uh, I saw the miracle grow oh, on gosh. the bat, on on the table behind him where he was Fatoshiaki uh-huh. was uh, setting up his experiment for Shelley. I thought, wait a minute, a Japanese kid has a pet turtle, <laughs> and it's very obvious it's going to turn to a monster. Well. The friend to all children is about to make an appearance here tonight. And he turned and 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 the minute you see that miracle grow porter there, it's like any minute now, any minute, this is going to be good. And that's why I took a picture of it. And I texted uh, uh, Nate over at the monster on film vault and said, Hey, look at this. Uh, Gamera showed up, showed up at a Disney movie. Probably because they couldn't get Godzilla, if we're being honest. But still, because <laughs> you actually look at the the model for Shelly, mm-hmm. and he's not. He, it's obviously based on Gamera. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. They didn't base. Uh, they didn't put in Gamera's tusks mm-hmm. that he's got, and he his fate head looks very similar to some shots of Godzilla I've seen. So I think they wanted Godzilla, but they had to settle for the friend to all children. <laughs> but uh yeah this gamer would be a lot easier to get but that i, I was oh my gosh <laughs> i was i had to pause and stop laughing when i saw that. not because it was funny but it's just like yes yeah <laughs> pixar couldn't get godzilla but disney got gamera <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah in monsters incorporated oh the yeah scene where they're uh crossing the the street yeah, and they're standing next to a giant, quote unquote, dinosaur. Yeah, and when they when Sully uh, says good morning to him, you just hear a chicken 
clock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was supposed to be Godzilla's roar. But they, they couldn't, couldn't get the rights. Oh, my gosh. Because they'd have to license it from Toho, and Toho wouldn't do it. Funny. But anyway, I loved all the monsters at the end of this. It was fun to see them. It's and you know, it's it's just sad to that what how they all went out though, which I'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Uh, you got anything before we jump into into dislikes? No, let's get in there. All right. If you don't mind, I will start Go dislikes because it kind of goes off what I was just saying. Mm-hmm. I wish we had more of the monsters at the end of this film. I agree. I, the fact that they all die is just disappointing in some ways. I wanted the the uh, them to have to, you know, obviously it makes sense that the kids would initially be scared at mm-hmm. these monstrous creations, mm-hmm. especially uh, Weird Girl, mm-hmm. now that her beloved cat is now a bat cat. I thought it would I thought it would fit better with the theme. Okay. Especially since, you know, we do have the whole thing with Sparky mm-hmm. and the love that Victor showed him. If mm-hmm. maybe the kids had to accept responsibility for their actions. Yeah. And had to learn to love these creations of their own, but I... they never have to because all the animals die before by the end of the film. That is true. And I'm like, really? We could you could have given this a little more oomph. Because these kids basically got away with it. Yeah. You destroyed, you basically almost destroyed a town and you learned nothing from it. Exactly. These kids are going to be doing the same thing next week. Victor learned a lesson, but he still got, you know, his friend back, which yeah. I guess ends justify the means is the lesson he learned there. But uh, still, it's just, I wish we'd gotten more with that. Fair. I feel like it the, not not making the kids have to live with their mistakes. Yeah. Uh, ultimately hurt the film on on a thematic level. I would agree with Look you at there. Me reviewing this like it's an like I'm an objective reviewer. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. It's just that's just the thing that crossed my mind. It's like it messes. It it, it just the, the kids don't have to deal with the theme like Victor does. Yeah. They just walk away scot free and just pretty much. Like, granted, the film ends like just as soon as Sparky's alive, just like in the short. But eh, yeah, I agree. We didn't really get to see much aftermath. True. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you on that, and that I'll definitely that is definitely a bit of my my first dislike of this film is like there, there's no there's not a lesson learned by our uh, our our uh, our antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, children characters because Victor learns a really good lesson, like a really, really lesson. But be like his, his is more be like sometimes the the, the idea of an adult you have to let things go. But his is more like he he, but like he gets his best friend back. Yeah, at the end of the film, and I'd be like, there's there's a part of it there. It's like, oh it's yeah we can get into that later but the idea of these the uh the the antagonist characters do these horrific things and you know you know uh meddling with nature in order Mm -hmm. to you know uh create these abominations of creatures for their own gluttonous desires to uh gain fame or glory or something like that yeah and uh they don't learn a lesson from it it's literally how the movie ends 
and we'd never see any aftermath of be like maybe they're be like maybe they're expelled or something like that mm-hmm. but we don't these characters don't learn a lesson like you said in your first is like it'd be like it's literally they could just do it again tomorrow yeah and it's they haven't learned anything from it and i, I when you said that that makes perfect sense and yeah that's why that's again that's my first first is like is like you don't get the the characters learning a hard lesson and mm-hmm. there's no there's no um there's no punishment for what they do it's like yeah. oh we 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 metal we uh we 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 played with nature we were allowed to do this we're allowed to do this and uh, there's no repercussions for anything and so we just oh okay be like oh i feel sorry and you do it again mm-hmm. so yeah there, there's no lesson learned at the end of the film so yeah it's my first dislike okay my second dislike is uh they added i think a few too many characters to this town um I honestly don't think, well, I know that the adults were in the original short and that's why they were included here. Mm-hmm. Almost with the exception of Victor's parents, they're almost all useless for the most part. They almost all have no character. They're all two dimensional screaming townsfolk. You need screaming townsfolk in of a Frankenstein course. movie, but uh, the few that do seem like they should be major characters mm-hmm. like Mr. Burgermeister or, um, uh, of uh, the gym teacher they have no real reason for being there other than they're fil- fulfilling a role yeah now they did add a new character with uh mr russian guy i'm sorry i can't pronounce that name again oh the scientist <laughs> the scientist yeah the science teacher yeah he, he's not really a new character they just expanded the role of the science teacher from the short mm. but uh he at least did give like a lot of what I think this heart's message, this film's message was, Mm -hmm. but he's gone by halfway through it because he had to get fired so that, you know, I guess he wasn't there to stop people from being crazy at the end of the film. I don't know. He just, they almost fired him for, I mean, they fired him for a good reason. Don't get me wrong. Right. But from a story perspective, it's like, why did he, why was he already out of town by the time the, the the dutch festival happened and the monster attacks you could have still had him come back and perhaps i don't know be one of the voices of reason in this town yeah but they got even even he's almost a useless character because he's gone by halfway through the film Mm. um and of the kids most of them are forgettable too in a way. Yeah. Uh, the only one that sticks out to me is Edgar. Mm-hmm. And that's because he's Igor. Yeah. And he doesn't even really do the Igor role very well. True. Or Igor. However you want yeah, to say Igor. it. I've Igor. heard it both ways. Yeah. In the same movie. Uh, <laughs> Young Frankenstein. Gotcha. But um, almost all the other characters, it's like they have a, they, ha- they have an archetype. Maybe they're fulfilling, but it's not even a, a well-defined archetype, I guess. It, it just feels like there's too many people in the film. If they had, I don't know, just focused on the kids and had the adults just be background elements uh, to fulfill even the small role mm-hmm. they had in the yeah. thing, but they tried to give so much story on both sides of it 
that it really felt like there was too much going on yeah. at points and too many characters to try to keep up with what they were doing when most of the time it was unnecessary what they're doing. Even uh, the character who I assumed was supposed to be Victor's love interest, mm. uh, Elsa Van Helsing, mm-hmm. is a useless character. Her only real job is she's the owner of Persephone, the bride of Sparky, mm-hmm. basically. Basically. And to do and to sing the very bad town theme at the very yeah at the dutch festival mm-hmm. I, I just feel like there's there's so many characters in this that they didn't have time to develop any of them and really in some ways the characters that were in the short aren't developed much from what they are in the short okay so yeah there's just a lack of character development across the board i think not from an acting perspective yeah but from a writing perspective okay uh just my- there wasn't enough time yeah, my second dislike is more like more from an animation standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you look at, um, we've done Corpse Ride, right? Yeah. Okay, I knew that. This is the third stop motion Tim Burton property we've done. Yeah. So you look at uh, Nightmare. You look at Corpse Bride. Uh, the animation, the anime, the animated characters are the stop motion characters. Actually, there's a lot more. Like you look at. Um, nightmare you look at nine before christmas like you have a lot of characters who blink you have mm-hmm. in course pride there's a lot of characters who blink to give them more life and fluidity as a, as a character yeah. to give them you know more of a personality whatever mm-hmm. to for us we can relate to them because they blink like us in this movie you hardly ever see a character blink but like there, there's there's certain points here and there but it's so like it's not as well, it's not as fluid as the, like the older films. Right. And I don't, I don't know if that's more like maybe a aesthetic point where it's be like, you have a character who has those dead eyes looking at you with no, like no like soul or reflection in it. So, Go ahead. I have a theory as to why that is. Okay. First off, while this is the third Tim Burton, uh, quote unquote, Halloweeny movie, mm-hmm. the other two movies were not directed by Tim Burton. Agree, they weren't. It was the Nightmare Before Christmas. Let me say the whole name. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton barely had anything to do with it other than character designs. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, Corpse Bride, I think he he wrote the story? I think so. I think, but he didn't direct it either because Corpse Bride was created by the same production team that made Nightmare Before Christmas, Mm -hmm. which is now the company we know as Leica. Mm-hmm. This film, while it was also directed by Tim, while it was the first of these directed by Tim yeah. Burton, this is almost an entirely new team. Mm-hmm. We don't know how skilled they actually are at doing this sort of thing. Yeah. It could be that between uh, the skill level of the production team and maybe Tim Burton's preferences based on his art, mm-hmm. it could be that they just decided we won't have the characters blink as often to make it feel creepier. I got gotcha. you. I don't know. That's a theory. I don't know how true it is. I got you. I know some elements are true, but I don't know if that's all the reasoning. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's just me. Be like, it was more, I noticed there's not a whole lot of like eye blinking for the characters. Mm-hmm. Be like, obviously Mr. Whiskers blinked <laughs> a little. Yeah. But overall, but it was like, the one eye at a time blink. Yeah. Which is creepy. Well, cats do that if they don't trust you. Because Rip. they want to keep one eye on you at all times. I didn't know that. Cats, when cats blink mm-hmm. and it's they close both eyes, that means they're comfortable around you. Mm. 
So you can imagine how little Rowdy blinks when I'm around. Oh gosh, <laughs> I can imagine poor cat. Uh, no, no, I give. I, I he was okay the other day. So. Okay. All right. So yeah, that is my second dislike. What is your third? My third dislike. Um, I understand why they chose the black and white, and I do kind of like the fact that it's a black and white film. Uh huh. But I feel they did not play with the contrasts enough in scenes. Hmm. It really did feel like you were either in a really, really dark scene or a really, really bright scene. Mm -hmm. And there was never any of that high contrast in the same scene. Okay. Granted, that could just be a stylistic thing and it may not have gone for it, but Mm -hmm. there just seems a lot of times where everything was averaging out to just one big shade of gray for each scene some of that i know is modern filmmaking style that's designed around color but this is a black and white film you need it to pop Mm -hmm. you need the 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 black to pop out and the white to pop out from each other to make it feel natural and i in so many ways this just feels like it's it's gonna sound stupid to say it sounds like it's it feels like it's gray because it's black and white. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's going to be gray in there. But if it just feels like it's not. It, the colors aren't deep. Okay. The black and white is not deep like it should be. Yeah. For a black and white you. film. Like the uh, films that this is trying to ape the style of mm-hmm. uh, would would have done it. It just does. It just feels like uh, it, films, it feels like they chose what colors they wanted it to be. And they, they animated it in those colors. And then when they got to the editing bay, they they took all the color out mm-hmm. and were stuck with what they had instead of actually trying to make it look good in black and white. Fair. Not saying it looks bad. Do not get me wrong. It's just it could look better Fair. in black and white. So, yeah. that's And, and I know that to some degree that's going to be a taste thing. It's just I've seen some good black and white that really worked with those colors even with darker scenes and lighter scenes mm-hmm. it's just this did not feel this felt like i was looking at a picture not looking at an actual setting i got and you. even the stop motion you should have been able to do that because if you actually look at like some of the old black and white stuff like for instance the monsters mm-hmm. which is kind of aping on frankenstein also yeah th- the in the color shots uh, if you actually were to watch the the See, see them in their makeup in in real life instead mm-hmm. of in the black and white show. Yeah, they're they they they're wearing like blue and green makeup, mm-hmm. like unrealistic blue and green makeup. Yeah, so that on the black and white film it will pop better. Yeah, this it looks like they made every uh, character's skin color uh, standard skin colors, and then it just doesn't have the same feel to it. Now, granted, because of tim burton's art style with mm-hmm. the sunken in eyes mm-hmm. it works yeah and maybe some of this is because they made the colors look closer to his style because mm-hmm. if you actually look at his art style it does have the very much kind of a sketchy gothic feel to it, it does yeah that this is obviously trying to ape the art style of but i just really wanted uh, not just the characters but even the the backgrounds to have more pop to it understood so yeah that's my third dislike okay so my third dislike there again, it's a nitpick and it kind of vibes in with yours a mm-hmm. little bit. 
So there's, I remember there's one scene, I think it's like a teacher or it's somebody they're looking down at a notepad Yeah, and you can obviously tell for some reason be like, they obviously they shot, they didn't technically shoot everything in black and white. They just, they, they, uh, they put the sepia tone for everything in a, yeah. in a, in a tone. But at one point you can actually see yellow in one scene it's on a piece of paper and you literally see it. It's yellow. I'd have to go back and look at that. Yeah. Now I might be like my eyes, maybe it deceived me, but I could have, you know, I could have told you up and down yeah. without, you know, swearing to anything, but like it looked yellow. I was and, like, and it could have been your TV trying to hit that black and white because we're on, we're looking at a color TV hmm. producing a black and white image it may mess up from time to time. It could be. It could be. It also could be someone missed a step in Photoshop or whatever. Yeah. The, or that's what whatever digital editing software they were using. Yeah. That was because they thought. weren't using the black and white setting on a camera. They looks like they actually made it in color. They did. And then made it black and white. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. Mm -hmm. But if there's one thing I have learned from my photography, the more you get in camera, the better it looks. And this yeah. looks like they put it in black and white and post instead of shooting it in black and white. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Anyway. Agreed. So, yeah, that's like a little nitpick. It'd be like, I saw it and I was like, that doesn't seem right. Now, granted, it could have been, I just, maybe it was a trick of the light. Maybe it was my, maybe it was my, my, uh, my television. Mm -hmm. It could have been, could have been any number of things. It could have been numerous things, but it was just a little nitpick. And I was like, that looks yellow in a black and white film. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, you look back at Corpse Bride and you have those scenes that were shot, you know, in the village where mm -hmm. it's very much feels has a grayscale feel, but you can tell it was filmed in color. Yeah. That has more of the depth that we're talking about. Yeah. I agree. This film does. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. The short has more depth in its black and white than this does. But anyway, I'm I'm just picking nits at this point. Mm -hmm. But that does bring us to the end of this episode. So we do are this review. So we do need to mm -hmm. uh, rate it. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you rating it? Oh, really? it's it's a great film. It's a wonderful, wonderful piece of uh, stop motion animation that is done very well. It does have its little applause here and there as a pro as a, uh, a film in general. But overall, it's great. So I would probably give it an eight. Okay. What are you? Uh, I'm going to probably give it about an eight also. It's got, like we said, it's got its little flubs and little flaws. But mm -hmm. for the most part, it's just a, a fun monster movie that, I mean, that's just going to be fun to watch this time of year. It's got a, it's got a message that I do think it sort of flubs up at the end if you okay. think about it too hard. Yeah. But it's better than some other Disney uh, Halloween movies I've seen this year. <laughs> Alrighty. But uh, yeah, I'll give it an eight. Alrighty. Which means it's time to move into the first step. First episode of season two of lower decks on animated series. Space, the final frontier. are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
Monte. remember when we left off on these reviews what a year and a half ago roughly when we uh we left off at the end of season one and uh one of our characters boimler had moved on to a new ship yeah while the other three are left back on the cerritos mm-hmm. so let's go that's pretty much what happened all you really need to know going yes. into this so let's go ahead and jump into the first episode of season two Strange Energies, which was directed by Jason Zurich and written by Mike McKayan. Since this is the first episode of this, I am going to go through the entire cast list. Uh, Tawny Newsom plays Ensign Beckett Mariner. Jack Quaid plays Ensign Brad Boimler. Noel Wells plays Ensign Devon Attendee. Eugene Cordero plays Ensign Samantha Rutherford. Don Lewis plays Captain Carol Freeman. Jerry O'Connell plays Commander Jack Ransom. Uh, Jillian Vigman plays Dr. Ta'ana. Uh, Fred Tadasior, who last season played uh, uh, science, uh, uh, Security Officer Shax, mm-hmm. the Bajoran. Yeah. Uh, he is still in the cast. And in this episode, he vo- he voiced one of the Cardassian uh, Guard holograms. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Rogers plays Lieutenant Commander Stevens. Missy Pyle plays the holographic Cardassian interrogator. And if the name Missy Pyle sounds familiar to you, she was in Galaxy Quest as one of the Thermians. Oh, okay. The female Thermian. Oh, okay. Just to put that in perspective. I gotcha. Kind of semi-Star Trek royalty. Uh, Jenna McKenna, sorry, Jessica McKenna plays Ensign Barnes. Lauren Lapkus plays Ensign Jennifer Sharian. Phil Lamar plays Admiral Freeman, and this episode we have guest starring Jonathan Frakes as C- Captain William T. Riker. For two lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this episode, the USS Cerritos is dispatched on a mission which results in an inter- encounter with strange energy. Uh, trivia for this episode, although there is no official star date given within the episode itself, a log by ransom on the Star Trek logs Instagram account dated the episode to somewhere around start eight, five, seven, nine, nine, five point eight, roughly around where it's supposed to be mm. uh, in Mariner's hollow program. The holographic Boimler says the Cardassians keep showing him lights. This is a reference to the next generation episode chains of command part two, where gold Madrid tortured captain Jean-Luc Picard by repeatedly showing him four bright lights and telling him there were in fact five lights. When Picard refused to submit, he was tortured by a small device implanted in his chest that allowed Madred to inflict pain in any part of Picard's body. Which is why every Star Trek fan knows there are four lights! Anyway. And apparently I still don't get that joke. <laughs> I'll make you watch that episode one day. Uh, the ships featured in the Cardassian facility as Mariner steals the McDuff include two Gaylor-class Cardassian cruisers, three Jem'Hadar fighters, four Bajoran interceptors, 
four Danube class runabouts, five Delta Flyer type vessels, seven Federation attack fighters, three snipe class frigates, and two D5 Klingon battle cruisers. Five small Cardassian ships of an unnamed type and three Hideki class vessels. Uh, Mariner's line about how the crew is not supposed to have interpersonal conflict is a reference to Gene Roddenberry's infamous rule during the early years of Star Trek The Next Generation Mm. that there couldn't be any conflict between the main characters and that all drama had to come from outside forces. Mm. And now you know why the show nearly died in two seasons. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, that episode references Gary Mitchell uh, early in the episode, and it's a call. That's a callback to the second pilot of the original series, where No Man Has Gone Before, which aired as episode three. Uh, in it, Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell was exposed to strange energies at the edge of the galaxy and given godlike powers. So, Jacob. What is what are your thoughts on this? Not being a big Star Trek person and being forced along this by your co-host. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun episode. There again, I didn't catch all the references. Be like, okay, that's a reference to something. I don't get it. This but, episode, there wasn't too many. No, there wasn't. But the the idea that I think it's a Mariner who is now kind of her her and her mother who's a captain mm-hmm. have given her basically free reign to do whatever she wants is that the yeah. same episode yeah yeah same episode that's what I thought. and there again i that's what causes the main conflict in this episode exactly because it's mariner because everything she's trying her best what she thinks is right and unfortunately screws up <laughs> of course of course I, I i do like the idea that they like they go down they go down and poor bormler Poor Bormler. He finally got what he always, <laughs> always wanted. wanted any. And it's actually being in the A story of an actual Star Trek series. So every week he has to deal with this crap. And Riker say, using all of those jazz terms. It's like, how do you know what he's saying? I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh. But it's like, it's then you get the, you get the side story with Tinley, right? Tindy, Tindy, yeah. Yeah. Tindy. Tindy and her her the her her uh, her guide crush. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. Rutherford did technically uh, get horribly injured at the end of the last yeah. episode uh, because in order to get out of the pack led vessel and it's still connected, Shax literally ripped the uh, Im- his implant yeah. out and then ran, and that caused some memory issues. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Yeah. Also. Shax is dead at this point. Really? Yeah. In this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a very long time since I watched yeah. the first season. But uh it's a good episode. It's there again. It's um uh Mariner trying to get herself out of the the problem she put herself into mm-hmm. and the uh, the 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 first what is it the the first not captain but he's the he's the first officer first officer he's the first officer oh i think it's like riker be like he's he's it, riker it's the same role it's the same role uh um, in fact a lot of uh ransom's uh what, what do you call it? Um, mannerisms yeah are based off riker they are very much based off riker be like I've, I've I've seen a little bit of Star Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, Riker, yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, oh my gosh, be like uh the guy who originally played Riker, 
yeah, Jonathan Franks. Jonathan Franks. Be like, just sound like every scene he was in was chewing it up. It was so oh, funny, yeah. just so funny, and uh, like just like like there again. There's a lot of things going on. Be like, I may not understand because I'm not a Trekkie or a Trekker. Trekkie. 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 I okay. use the term Trekkie. If that's wrong, I don't care. Okay, either or. But uh, it's a fun episode, and it's. <laughs> How they solve this this dilemma of the 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 uh, the 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 uh, the, uh, <laughs> the first lieutenant or whatever his name is, first officer. First officer. He would be a commander in rank. Okay. The command. What's his name? Uh, Ransom. Yeah, Jack Ransom. Ransom. Yeah, Jack Ransom. Uh, getting you know zapped by this ray, and the the joke would be like, oh, it may it may give him idea of godly powers. Yes. And he turns this immediately. Godly, this immediately. immediately. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, this is not gonna be good. It's like, oh my! And then he starts, he starts uh, doing so many Star Trek things from the past, where his, his head separates from his body and grows to massive size, nice. while slowly turning everyone on the planet into little ransomites. Yeah, ransom. That was hilarious. <laughs> and changing all everything to be like uh, fitness equipment because he's got a very big fitness th- thing on that show. Uh huh. Because he's trying to be Riker and Kirk, basically. Yeah, right. And oh my gosh. <laughs> The 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 way they uh, solve the dilemma because obviously because um, uh, the the mother and daughter don't mm-hmm. they don't get along they really don't they, they both they hate work working for each, each other, other but they don't neither one of them knows how to get out of it and that's what's really got ransom set off yeah and ransom just he he wants the the admiration from his captain mm-hmm. and he's not getting it because you know. Uh, the daughter's getting it, yeah. And uh, the, the the solution to uh, get it, you know, getting him to calm down. <laughs> well, I I loved how they explained it when she says, "Well, how did they stop the scary Mitchell guy back in the old days? Uh, they dropped a boulder on him." I'm thinking, "Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did drop a boulder on him." And then at the very end, it's like, "Yeah, she is doing the uh, can we call it the Megazord maneuver?" <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. It is the Megazord mover. She is she is kicking him right in him. Yeah. Right in his manhood, we'll say. Yeah. Ouch. And continues doing it because it's the only thing that's distracting him enough for the energies to want to leave. It's like, oh no, a power up. And, and finally they put they they finally bring him to a full stop because Dr. Ta'ana has found a forklift with a boulder and drops it on him. Oh, like, well, that'll do it. Oh, my gosh. That'll do, kitty. That'll do. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, this this episode is fun. I like there again, going back to season one with uh, Sergeant Lower Decks, there was a lot of apprehension watching this because mm-hmm. obviously it's the creators of uh, uh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. And I was like, this is, doesn't sound fun at all. And but, I was worried when we first did this, even yeah. though it was my idea. Yeah. And I'd be like, it's it's really good. It's really well done storytelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it be like the uh, the episode where uh, this is the same episode where uh, uh, crap, what's her name? The main character of the show. Mariner. Mariner. Yeah. Mariner be like, she's doing this hologram where she's working out and she's yes. breaking out of a, a prison. <laughs> Trying to get out her frustrations because that is how she uh uh th- that's how she does her uh her her, her uh athletic athletic stuff tr- yeah. keeps and fit yeah and i love the part where they're on what is obviously a recreation of the uh 
the the uh, Khan ship from uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, the uh, the Reliant. Yeah, right? the Reliant. Because it was even that it was even a Miranda class vessel. Mm-hmm. And the and and the Cardassian, the the holographic Cardassian, she's pulled along here. Says, "Why quit doing squats? What are you doing?" She says, "I can't. It's leg day." Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, Mariner be like is. I'm, I'm kind of torn between her character because she's the kind of character that really gets on your nerves about everything. Right. And she literally gets away with it all the time. Well, not, like, all yeah, the time. She, not all the time. No, but it's just more like she just does whatever she wants. She like, she has to face consequences most of the time, but it's just like, uh, can we stop with this please? But it's the character. I understand it's yeah. the character and it's how these stories play, but this is like, Oh my gosh. Will this character get put in her place? <laughs> and then you've got Tindy. Oh my Bless God. Her heart. I'm trying to save my friend. <laughs> yes, because he's got some kind of disorder that uh, the first thing is you change your preferences. The next thing you know, your brain's leaking out your, your nose. nose. It's like, what? And then she puts on, and, and, and Rutherford's trying to be nice about it because he doesn't know what, mm-hmm. what she's actually talking about. And she puts all of these little shock things on on him, uh-huh. and keeps setting it off at random times because if he if she tr- keeps it low or it doesn't regular, mm-hmm. change up the voltage or whatever, mm-hmm. he'll get used to it. And then finally, he he gets tired of it, rips all it off, and goes on his date mm-hmm. from the, uh, with the lady from the first episode. Uh-huh. And then Tendy shows up with a medical gun. <laughs> That's what it is. It yeah. shoots medical splooge. <laughs> and oh my gosh starts firing at him and then my, my favorite part <laughs> they get to that hallway and he puts up the uh the the force field yeah so she can't get to him and the point she's trying to she wants to cut out his brain yeah, she's gonna cut out his brain to figure out what the problem is <laughs> oh my gosh. and they they start and they get having this heart-to-heart conversation Meanwhile, on the other side of the window of this <laughs> corridor ransom is attacking the ship with his mouth <laughs> it's like you know, nom, this nom, is a nom. nice, sweet image, but I'm kind of distracted by the giant head. <laughs> and y'all don't care. That's what's <laughs> funny. Oh, my giant gosh. The head of your commanding officer your, is attacking the yeah. ship. <laughs> and you're just having this nice conversation <laughs> about your corridor. friendship. About <laughs> friendship. Oh. oh, my gosh. Yeah, this this is a good episode. Yeah. This, it's, it's a good, be like. Okay, let's get back into what what we did at the end of season mm-hmm. one, which I'm still trying to remember how the end of season one ended. Just really brief, really brief. Do you just give me a good, good? Well, never mind. Just take that home and watch. It's only ten episodes. <laughs> that is true. You got a week. I got a and week. a half. A week and a half. No, uh, basically, what happened was is uh, at the last episode uh, that we watched, uh, mm-hmm. no small parts. Yeah. Uh, the Cerritos goes to answer a distress call from another Cali class ship. That's right. Yeah. The other Cali class ship has been pretty much destroyed by mm. a pack led vessel, which yeah. pack leds up to this point in star Trek were considered to be jokes. Mm-hmm. And there are still kind of jokes going forward from this, but they're actually a bit of a threat in this. Oh yeah, that's right. And um, they go, the only way they can figure out to, well, the ship is getting, hurt and destroyed freeman gets uh captain freeman gets injured and has to be left in sick bay but she's still able to give orders right so mariner takes over for her on the bridge that's right that's right meanwhile uh uh uh, rutherford Mm -hmm. this entire episode there's a running gag that he's found this new feature that 
changes his personality every time he resets it, but he can't get it back to normal. Oh yeah. And right. the entire time uh, he realizes, Oh, if we're going to take that, if we need to take, we need, he, he, he figures out how to get a virus. Mm-hmm. The virus will be able to take down if it's done right, a certain right, way. Right, right. Yeah. But most humans can't, would not be able to program something, mm-hmm. but, he does know somebody who can, so he goes to the holodeck and gets Badgie to do it. Oh yeah, Badgie, <laughs> and who uh, might still feel a little hurt from his previous uh, appearance a, on the episode, just a bit, and uh, gets it on there and says, "You have to get on the ship to do it." So he uh, Rutherford runs to sick bay to report, and and uh, they're going to give it to the uh, the. Uh, on, the only episode she's appeared in so far, mm. Peanut Hamper, the little exocomp. Uh, oh, the, the little robot thing. Yeah, but that's it's called an exocomp. And she says, "Oh, because because it seems like the mission would be tailor made for this." Like, mm-hmm. and she says, "Nope, I'm going to teleport myself out here because I don't want to deal with any of this crap." Oh yeah, that's and she right. She teleports away, and Rutherford says, "Well, I'm going to have to do it. And get over there." And Shax says something to the effect of, "You're not going over there alone." He grabs Rutherford and runs to the cargo bay to get on mm-hmm. get on the uh, runabout. And they get over to the Pakla vessel. He gets it in there, and Badgie shows up again on the Mars. Says, "Yeah, because because the virus gets uploaded to ninety eight percent, but won't continue going until after Rutherford is dead, because Badgie mm-hmm. is feeling revengeful for yeah. you know his neck getting snapped in that right. episode, right?" And uh, Shax pulls out, uh, rips out uh, his uh, Rutherford's implant, throws Rutherford into the runabout, the shellcraft. And then pushes it out there, giving his final lines, hang in there, baby bear. Which was actually the subtitle I used for the episode we reviewed this on. Yeah. And as far as we know, that was the final time he was going to show up on the show. Okay. And uh, they get back, we find out, yes, Rutherford was able to be saved. They got him a new implant, but he has lost a lot of his memory because of the implant. Mm -hmm. Mariner has taken as a, now that, you know, everyone knows that she is a uh, mariner is, is a freeman's daughter mm-hmm. uh they decide they're going to team up and be an unstoppable mommy daughter team yeah doing things that officially starfleet can't do but she's going to let her do it and of course that's what leads to this and that's mm-hmm. why they kind of have to reverse it yeah and tendy is just tendy yeah and boimler got a up got got the ray the uh raise not the raise the promotion mm-hmm. to the titan yeah and uh Mariner wasn't happy about that. No, of course. And she definitely wasn't happy about that at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go ahead and give that a watch. It's a fun. It's only 10 episodes and it's quick. I gotcha. And ever since we got a break next week. Yeah, we week. got a break. You got time. Yeah. All right. So good. Yeah. So, let's, so we now we need to go to the next one. Yeah. Which is uh, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open, which was directed by Kim Arndt and written by Chris Kula. In this episode, uh, our lower deckers have trouble bonding with Ensign Jet Manhaver who has been assigned Boimler's bunk and shift duties. Meanwhile, we get a glimpse of Boimler's life on the USS Titan, which is more intense than he thought it would be. Uh, in this one, uh, Fred Tadasior is now, vo- in this episode, voices Kerner Howes, the holographic recording of the uh, who of the guy who owned the, the station that they're yeah. on. Uh, Jonathan Frakes returns as Captain William T. Riker. Uh, Richard Fulcher plays the pack-led leader. Robert Gilbert plays the Titan chief Titans chief engineer. Marcus Henderson is ensign jet man haver. Vanessa Marshall is the Titans first officer. Jessica McKinnon returns as Barnes. Nolan North is a Carzil six minor. Uh, Ryan Stanger Stringer is the Titans tactical officer. 
Carl Tart is in his first episode as Kayshawn. Mm -hmm. And you only thought we got away from a shorty from Rapunzel, didn't you? Oh, no. Dr. Miglimo, the uh, bird counselor. Yeah. Is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, crow. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that until I was doing the research for this. Oh, no. Uh, Trivia for this one. This is going to be a bit. So give me a bit. Give me a minute. Items that are nods to other Star Trek stories that can be seen as part of the collection include the diorama showing the spear through the back, Abraham Lincoln skeleton, and the silicon life form from Star Trek, the original series episode, The Savage Curtain, the salt monster vampire from the original series episode, The Man Trap, one of the addictive eyepiece games from this next, this Star Trek Next, Gener- next Generation episode, The Game, one of the Vulcan pugil sticks from the original series episode, A Mock Time. A box of wine from Chateau Picard. The visor worn by Data when he dealt poker. Uh, Riker's trombone. The photon tube Spock was buried in at the end of Star Trek II, The mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan, and they found on in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. One of the mind spheres from the original series episode, Return to Tomorrow. Sulu's fencing foil from the original series episode, The Naked Time. A Cot board, which was a game favored by Seven of Nine and Naomi Wildman on Star Trek Voyager, episode Infinite Regress. A Pulse Cannon from Star Trek Insurrection. The Terran Empire flag from the original series episode Mirror Mirror and the Enterprise episode In a Mirror Darkly. Picard's Curlin Nysco's given to him by Professor Galen in the original series episode The Chase. A Horta Egg from the original series episode The Devil in the Dark. And the Necklace Khan made out of a Starfleet insignia from a uniform belt buckle in Wrath of Khan. Wow. There was a lot of stuff. There was. And, that, and there's one more thing. The giant skeleton wearing the tattered blue Starfleet yeah, uniform that? <laughs> belongs to the Spock clone named Spock 2 from the Star Trek animated series episode, The Infinite Vulcan. Wow. <laughs> That's a weird show, and I haven't got to that episode, and now I'm curious. <laughs> uh, the new security officer, Sean, is one of the children of Tama, or Tamarians, which first appeared in the Next Generation episode, Darmok. Basically, the, they, are speak, they speak a language that the Universal Translator can't completely translate okay it can get what they're saying into english but because they mostly speak in idioms Mm -hmm. a literal translation is not very helpful yeah so like when he says stuff like uh uh like at the end when he says shaka when the walls fell Mm -hmm. that is him literally saying something that that's the best universal translator can actually do by himself i gotcha so a lot of times he's actually speaking natively in English, or not natively in English, but he's actually speaking in English, but sometimes he'll revert back and speak in his native language, which mm-hmm. gets translated in these weird idioms. Yeah. And that's actually an interesting episode to go watch. Interesting. Um, and this also at the end, uh, as Boimler leaves Riker with his transporter clone, which is something that happened to Riker in Next Generation episode. I caught that. <laughs> Riker instructs the computer to play Nightbird. Nightbird was a gag on Star Trek The Next Generation. It is a fictional composition that is never actually heard, but is said to be very complex. Troy takes great delight in Riker's inability to to successfully play the song's solo portion on his trombone despite many years of practice. Okay. (laughs) That makes a little more sense. Yes. Uh, And pause right here. Hang on. 
that's the wrong thing. Sorry, Dila. Uh, we got raided by Geek Devotions. Nice. Uh, he says a dramatic raid, and then bird counselor. Yeah, bird <laughs> counselor. counselor. <laughs> he's a bird alien, and he's the counselor on the ship. <laughs> and he said dramatic pause, and then lol. Yes, yes, you did. Uh, yeah, so we are on the last episode of Star Trek Lower Decks that we're reviewing tonight, guys. Uh, we will be done here in just a minute. Season two, season two, two. episode two. Uh, Kayshawn, his eyes open, and he gets turned into a puppet, which is hilarious <laughs> in and of itself. Uh, Geek Devotions, you really don't want this bird brain as your counselor, but it's what they have. <laughs> He first showed up in a season one episode where they literally are mocking every Star Trek movie. <laughs> wow. But anyway, yeah, uh, back to this. Uh, what are your thoughts on this episode? Jake? This one was like, it was, it was interesting. It was, I like the, the idea that uh Mariner has be like, she, she, she's, she's missing Boimler, oh, but yeah. she's like, obviously missing him. And uh, this new guy shows up, and it's just like he's by the books kind of guy. Well, he's, dr- not, he's not entirely new. He actually appeared uh, in, a, in the season one episode. Uh, there's something about Boimler where Bo- we finally find out Boimler had a girlfriend. Oh, but Jet Manhaver is essentially taking up all of uh, her time while they're, they're visiting because. Uh, Boimler had some kind of weird parasite that made him more attractive somehow. Oh, yeah, 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 that. Yeah. So he was the other man that he was getting jealous of. Oh, okay. That's who that character is. Yeah, so I, I, I like this dynamic between um, Mariner and uh, something. Man, Man Man, Hammer. Van Hammer. But uh, there again, I am terrible with names, people. Don't uh, worry, you'll never have to. I don't think Man Hammer shows up ever again after this. Oh, uh, okay. But I, I like the dynamic between these two characters because it's obviously Mariner. It's like be like you're just trying to steal all the spotlight and, and they're just like he's nailing everything about her it's like mm-hmm. no you're doing the exact same thing it's like yeah. no i'm not it's like yes you are <laughs> it's great and they're, they're they're both trying to take control of the situation which is not helping the situation at all and uh when when they they have to go to this uh collector the collector died all of a sudden yeah. and now they have to help this guy this other collector like get rid of the like exp- like things could hurt him in some right. capacity <laughs> and there's then a lot of dangerous things on that station <laughs> and then uh it's like they're trying to remove things and something happens and it turns out the collector stole something when he's been to be like don't touch anything don't touch the cases and he winds up stealing this this uh erotic helmet <laughs> let's not get too much into that it's no just, i'm not apparently kalis not kalis was it kalis Callus, 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 whatever. Okay, it was Callus. Callus was essentially, I'm not going to call him Klingon Jesus because that's not right. Right. But he's a basically a major Klingon religious figure. Oh, okay. So that's essentially a religious item. Apparently, he wore. Yeah. When he had to make babies. Yeah. I will just say. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes more sense. But uh, yeah, I I like the dynamic between those two where it's they're 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 fighting him on the show the entire time and you can't lead, you can't lead. Mm -hmm. And it's more like, hey, why don't we just let the other two try to figure out what's going on? And you're talking to the uh, uh, Tindy and Rutherford, Tindy, 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 Tindy and Rutherford, Tindy and Rutherford. 
uh i like it because they because they, there again those two characters work very well together they're both scientists and they're trying to figure out like oh if we use this we can do this and this and this but overall it's a good episode it definitely definitely when the uh the 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 uh Keishon gets turned into a puppet oh, i love that i was that, like what that, in the world that was funny because it's like oh the new security officer got turned into a puppet okay. well he's right in line with that with all the great starfleet security officers that we tend to call red shirts <laughs> and he wasn't wearing a red shirt well that's because they didn't wear red shirts in that era right but the original series they all wore red shirts that's why you know they're the great uh one of the great uh Mm-hmm. bits of philosophy that's ever come out of star trek is never go on an away team with a red wearing a red shirt yeah <laughs> you'll be the one who dies yeah there's there's an episode where in uh uh the 2000 the 2009 movie. no 2012 2012 series where it's like leonardo loves this series but obviously it's a star trek ripoff oh on tmnt okay. on tmnt but uh it's so funny because like, there's one point where it's like this very obviously he's a blatant, yeah. uh, you know, clone of uh, William Shatner's character of Kirk. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's so over the top. And you're like, yeah, these two guys over oh, on away mission and they're wearing red shirts. They go like, that's like, well, that's what they're designed to do. And it's just like, ouch. <laughs> but I digress with that. Going back yeah. to an, an actual Star Trek episode. Um I just found it funny when he got turned into a puppet and they got to make sure he's okay. And he doesn't get destroyed. And it's yeah. so funny. I, the part I thought was interesting connected to that. Mm-hmm. Cause it leads to one of my favorite lines in this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Captain Freeman is trying to be better. about oh, giving yeah. her people space. So she's not checked in with the away team, despite the fact that, she should have checked. She normally would have checked in a hundred times now. Yeah. She's trying to give Kayshawn space mm-hmm. to be, you know, a good leading commander. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he's been a puppet for the past two hours <laughs> as they're on the station. And they finally get to a point where they can actually, you know, communicate with the Cerritos mm-hmm. and it's uh, Tendi and Rutherford that are actually doing it because the other two are in the back. Uh-huh. And uh, Freeman says, says, uh, what the crap is going on? And they say, the ship is trying to collect us, Captain. Where's Kayshawn? And Tindy holds up the puppets <laughs> and says, Kayshawn, when he became a puppet. <laughs> said, and then Freeman says, this is what hands off gets me? Well, never again. <laughs> and that's just oh. one of the two stories in this episode. We yeah. haven't talked about what Boimler's <laughs> doing. Oh my gosh, poor Boimler. Uh, this is the, thankfully, this is the last episode where we get these split stories because obviously by the end of this boimler has mm-hmm. come back to the cerritos yeah. or at least one of boimler. one of them yes <laughs> but uh he's on this other mission and he gets on this away team with these three other commandos who are mm-hmm. like to be who are you know they they're on the, they like being on the front lines and boots yeah. on the ground mm-hmm. those kind of heavy military type yeah. of people and She's, they're all saying, like, I don't know how Riker, Riker loves this stuff. I don't know how he could have hung out on the D with uh, under a card dealing with all this other boring stuff. And one of the points that's like, no, they're, I bet he loved that sort of stuff because mm-hmm. it's like he's going through all these exploration, talking about, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the cool parts of it. And they're like blowing them off and everything. Mm-hmm. And by the end, you know, they're st- stuck down in the middle of this mine. Yeah. And he's saying, you know, and then they, they aren't wanting to do anything because they don't know what to do. And Boimler figures out what to do based on what he remembers of 
you know, the store, the lo- logs that Captain Riker would have had. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and he says, you know what? I, I enjoy being in Starfleet because I get to do, I get to explore. I get to see all this other cool stuff. It's not always about all the stuff y'all are talking about. And they all, of course, break down says, yeah, I like, yeah. I, I, what it was like, I just like to put, shoot phasers or something like yeah. that. And I got him because of science. Because <laughs> of science, yes. And uh, they get the other three beamed up. And of course, that's when the ionization field comes back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Boimler gets Boimler. to go through the same thing Riker did, where they beam him up. They try to beam him up, and they and uh, only one of them gets up there, but then they find out, oh, hey, the, the shuttlecraft's coming up. Well, that's odd. We didn't leave anyone on the surface. And it's the other Boimler, <laughs> which is better than what Riker got in in that episode because he right. was left to rot on that. The other Riker was left on that planet for who knows how many years mm-hmm. to live by himself. That's why he went and touched stir crazy ah. <laughs> and became Thomas Riker, mm. uh, who later would go on to lead part of the uh, terrorist organization, uh, the Maquis, which is interesting. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> It's an interesting TOS, uh, TNG, uh, DS9 episode. Sorry. Oh, okay. Where he comes back for that. Because you think it's going to be Riker, and it's not Riker. It's Tom, it's it's not Will Riker. It's Thomas, Thomas Riker. Riker. <laughs> but you don't know that for a good portion of that episode. But anyway. Um, and then he's like, well, yeah, we can't have you both serve on the same ship. So well, one of you is going to have to go back to the Cerritos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, Bo- and our Boimler, at least we assume it's our Boimler. Mm-hmm. Subsource is thinking they would both take it. Yeah. And he says, no, I kind of just like it here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And gets along with Riker like yeah. they're the best buds. But yeah. <laughs> and that's why how we got Boimler back on our uh, back on the show. With their exactly. Else. And so our, our main cast is rejoicing. It's like, oh, my yeah. gosh, we were born. And back. poor man Hammer <laughs> just leaves him to it and leaves. And leaves. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Too funny. Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of I these think reviews. So. Mm-hmm. You got anything to add before we uh, leave? on this where we cut out no i think of this uh, i enjoy these two episodes i'm looking forward to even more uh lower decks mm-hmm. the insanity that goes on with this and uh yeah obviously because we're we're taking a little bit of a break a little bit of a break for a week because yep. you're gonna be out of town i'm not sure exactly the order i'm going to release these in yeah so it may be next week when you hear another episode okay but uh yeah i think other than that uh in the meantime this has been drew this is jacob and we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at G. George759. His Twitter at GDorge759 and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.
Gamera is really neat. Gamera is filled with meat. We've been eating Gamera. Shell, teeth, eyes, flames, claws, breath, scales, fun.